You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Hello to everybody. Thanks for joining us for another great episode. I'm your host, Kate Agnew, and I'm a student dietitian at the University of Queensland. So we've got a really awesome guest on the show today. Gemma Sampson is an Aussie-born dietitian who is currently working over in Liverpool in the UK. Gemma currently works for a company called VitaFlow, and online she is known as Dietitian Without Borders. So today, Gemma's going to be chatting to us a little bit about working overseas and also um, about Dietitian Without Borders. Welcome to the show, Gemma. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, no problem. It's really awesome to have you here. I follow you on social media and regularly check out your recipes on Dietitian Without Borders. So really awesome to finally meet you and be able to chat to you. I thought we could uh, start out off with discussing why you decided to work overseas. Um, so what led you there and also how did you land your first job overseas? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I had been working um, in Australian Balmain at a, a contract, a new grad con- um, position, which was for a year. And at the end of the year, um, it wasn't going to be extended. And um, so I was like, okay, what are my options? There's not that many jobs going around. Getting seem to be getting emails every day from the UK about jobs going on in the UK. And I'm quite lucky because my dad is um, from born it was born in the UK. So through him, I was able to get a British passport. So. I thought, all right, well, as a backup plan, I'll, I'll get my British passport. I'll send off for my HDPC and um, and then see what happens. Then um, end up, my didn't, didn't have any work, um, decided to go backpacking through Southeast Asia for a bit and got back and I had all my registrations sorted um, to be able to work in the UK. And I thought, right, let's do it. Bought a ticket and, um, and for, I think, about, Two or three months later, and so I moved over in two thousand July two thousand yeah two, yeah July two thousand and ten, and I was quite lucky um, in the sense that I had a job already set up before I arrived, and um, so I um, I registered with a few different local agencies because my plan was when I moved over I thought I'd pro- I thought I'd only be here for about two years really and I thought I was like right I'll go over I'll travel I'll work for a few months I'll earn enough money to travel for a few more months then I'll go or I'll be broke again so I'll go travel working again then I'll travel and um, so that was my plan um, and so I was quite lucky that I, I worked for a few local agencies and um, managed to have a job linked up before I'd arrived and then so when I actually got to the UK I just had to um, there's a lot of like um, paperwork that you had to fill out and I had to get the um, the, BC, the BCG vaccination um, against TB and those sorts of things and just general um, bits and pieces sorted. But so I started working about a week after I arrived in the country. Okay. And did you have to do anything extra to get your Australian dietetic qualifications compatible with uh, British qualifications? No, I think we're quite lucky in the sense that because uh, obviously if a dietitian comes from the UK to Australia, they've got to do an exam. But with us, um, because we don't have actual 
registration in Australia. Um, so I think that's probably the main reason for that. Where in the UK to work as a dietitian or to call yourself a dietitian, you need to be registered with the Healthcare Professions Council. And it's, it's basically just um, a body where doctors, physios, um, nurses, all sorts of um, allied health professionals are registered to. So it's, it's quite a long process. It takes about, I think, well, I set my paperwork in in October and it came through in February. So it takes about four months once you send it to them. And it's quite expensive to us. Um, so, yeah, I basically had to fill out a thousand forms. And I had to get like transcripts from the university. I had to get um, references from um, my, where I was working at the time, references from my um, like university and all sorts of bits and pieces. So quite a lot of paperwork to send off and um yeah so that's and then you then just send it off and then hope for the best and then a few months later you get oh that's in my case I got a letter saying that I'd been accepted and that um I was now a registered dietitian and um so it's it kind of works obviously we've we've got the APD sort of program where every year you look at your CPD so it's there's some similarities where every uh, I think it's two years um, so we're just coming up to an audit, uh, audit potential re-registration process at the moment in the UK. So, so many people getting letters saying they need to show, prove that their experience, prove that they've what they've been learning and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Great. It obviously worked out really well after the thousand paper, <laughs> thousand pieces of paperwork that you had to do. Yeah, it was handy. <laughs> so, Gemma, can you tell me about your current role at VitaFlow? So my um, my role, I'm a senior um, research and development dietitian. So I've been there for nearly a year and a half. And so Liverpool is actually their head office. Um, it's an international company and it's, um, their head office is here in Liverpool. And they produce a number of different medical um, foods for mostly um, metabolic disorders, inherited metabolic disorders. So I particularly work in protein metabolism, so PKU, MSUD, homocystinuria, uh, tyrosinemia, um, urea cycle defects, those sorts of things. But they also do products for glycogen storage diseases, fatty acid oxidation disorders. And But I, I mostly just work in the protein metabolism disorders and a little bit with um, uh, like um, malnutrition, some products for malnutrition as well. So my role is – it's quite a diverse role really. Um, so obviously work in development – and designing products. I'm mostly in reformulation, so existing products and so updating them or um, reformulating. So, for example, if, um, I don't know, say next week there was a big a big paper or a, big, a new government legislation that came out about vitamin D and said that everyone needs to be having X amount of vitamin D every day, then um, we would look at do our products have enough vitamin D in them? Do we need to be adding more? Do we need to be adding less and that, that sort of thing? So I, my role in that sense is designing on the nutrition panel of those sorts of products, what, how much of the vitamins and minerals I would like ideally to have that for that particular product and then work with the technologists who are the ones that actually create a recipe and, um, and make it taste good and make it stable. And then um, so that's one part of it, but then also – we do like a lot of research as well. So you might have sometimes you might um, get dietitians approaching us and say, "Oh, we'd like to do this study. Can you support us?" So it might be um, giving help about um, 
writing articles or it might be supporting, um, I think, like power calculations and writing protocols for and doing ethics because um, obviously there's a lot of that sort of paperwork involved. Um, yeah, it's quite a diverse role. So lots of reading papers and looking at like international regulations and guidelines and um, and it can be a bit of a, a juggling act because um, so a particular vitamin in the UK at one level might they might recommend a lower level in another country and a higher level in another country. And as it's an international company, you're trying to find some happy medium to fit somewhere in there. Right. Yeah. So that would be quite a challenge. Yeah. That's so interesting, Gemma. Thank you so much for telling us about that. And um, I really wanted to discuss Dietitian Without Borders. Yep. Could you tell us about the overall aims of your website and um, online media presence? And could you share some social media tips with the listeners? Yeah, definitely. So um, so where the name came from to start with, uh, so like I'm obviously Australian, but I grew up in Zambia and then I live in the UK. And so I was trying to find a name. And traveling dietitian sort of fit. I was like, oh, that's already taken. So Cara had that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to find something similar but different. And so that's sort of where Dietitian Without Borders sort of came in because I'm a bit of a global citizen as such. And um, I was working in um, the NHS in oncology at the time. And I'd previously had a travel blog and but and I'd wanted to put nutrition stuff on there, but it didn't feel like the right place. So I'd stopped blogging for probably about six or seven months. And um at the lunch, at the lunch table, there would be all the ladies talking about the latest diet that they're on, and this, and I'd be like, oh, "What are you doing? That's not going to work." Mm-hmm. And I'd be like internally venting. I was like, oh, "Why you're wasting your money?" And I was like, "Do you know what? I need I need somewhere that I can um, share." Um, I think, yeah, I think evidence. I was originally I was looking at like I'm um, putting evidence. Uh, research into making sense out of research was where I'd sort of originally started coming from and um, and it sort of evolved from there and so I mean sometimes I've reviewed different diets or different um, supplements and just trying to make it understandable sort of nutrition and but common sense stuff as well because there's a lot of nonsense out there and just trying to make a bit of sense out of it and um, so and it, it's I guess it's constantly evolving as I um, try and figure out what I'm trying to do with it as well and um, as my my personal life has changed as well but um, yeah I think the main the main thing that I aim to do is just encouraging people to to be more active to um, to have healthier lifestyles to not be super overly ridiculously restrictive and um, and going against um, like labeling bad and good things as bad and good but um, finding that balance and I mean obviously everything in moderation gets thrown out a lot but I think it's more of a most things in moderation so I think just trying to share practical but realistic nutrition advice that has got evidence backed behind it as well the second part was social media tips wasn't it yeah yeah if you have any tips because um, I mean, the work that you do is fantastic. So if you have anything to share with the listeners so that, uh, you know, they could uh, aspire to uh, <laughs> achieve the same sort of success as you on <laughs> on social media. Oh, I don't think I've got that much success. I think my I'm, I'm just, yeah, I think 
my head is just constantly buzzing with nutrition stuff. And so um, that's, I think that's where with um, social media, I found that was a good way to get it out of my head. And so my head didn't explode. And I didn't bore everybody that was around me just constantly talking about nutrition. And um, so I do a lot of, sh- um, I think with fun, with social media, with diff- there's lots of different platforms out there and it's about finding what, which ones that you like best and then focusing on those. I mean, at the moment I probably, probably use Facebook more. Um, I use different platforms for different things. So Facebook I would use to share articles that I've seen or that I've read or uh, that other dietitians or student dietitians or nutritionists posted. I think, oh, that's really, that's really useful. That's really relevant that people I know. A lot of it, I might be, oh, my friend, she was asking about that. She might like that. And and it's usually sharing it because, oh, if if she would be interested, there's probably other people that would be interested in it as well. So I think Facebook is mostly sharing other content that I've seen. Um, I probably, I don't use Twitter quite as much as I used to at the moment, more just because I haven't had the time. Um, my blog is linked to Twitter, so it will like re, um, tweet sort of, um, posts that I've written every so many hours on there. And then, um, obviously when I do get a bit of time, I'll, I'll, um, actually post and write stuff personally on, as I'm going along. Um, but Instagram, I've quite gotten into Instagram, um, over the last, I suppose, year and, but Instagram is probably more my, just everyday life and encouraging people to be more active. And um, we, I mean, me personally, most people think I'm a bit of an extremist when it comes to sport, but I mean, I love endurance events particularly. And, um, but that's not everyone's cup of tea and that's totally cool. And I hate the gym. I hate being inside, but some people love that and that's fine. And I I think I I try and encourage people to find what works for them, what they enjoy doing. And um, so, I mean, I have a friend who said that she always thought she hated exercise until she discovered yoga. And then she discovered that's her thing. And so she, and then she loves yoga and that's, and she's like, yeah, I'm not really interested in anything else. And I was like, that's totally cool. That's, um, that's fantastic. Um, So yeah, in terms of social media, um, anything else? Oh, I think, um, yeah, I think I mostly, I try and just share things that other people that I've read that I've found useful or interesting that I think that other people might like to know about as well. I was just going to say the emphasis on physical activity certainly shines through with your marathon, is it half marathon running that you do quite often and your long bike rides? Yeah, well, I actually don't really like running. Um, so, but um, I like being, I love being outdoors. Um, so last year, like I'd, I would always been talking about doing a triathlon and so the beginning of last year I was like, right, I've been saying this for like 10 years, I'm going to do it. So I signed up for a try. And then got totally hooked. So I did a sprint, an Olympic, and a half Ironman last year. And so then this year I was like, okay, well the half Ironman that was an alright, that was alright. Like let's do the full one. So I'm doing a full Ironman this year. In That's September. awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and um, and then so I've got a few half Ironman that I'm doing in in the lead up to that because. Um, yeah, like I've always loved sport, and I I want to just I guess I'll just see see what I can make of it and see what happens with that. But I've just um, yeah, my I came from a swimming background until I moved to the UK, and then the pools really annoyed me, so I stopped swimming, and then took up cycling. And so, but I've now like got a massive love for cycling, and I've actually just recently in the last week or so been recruited to a local a local cycling club to race for them. So I'm going to start doing time trial races with them and then see what comes of that as well. So Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah, but I know I, I love being outside and, um, yeah, and 
being active and being in the, yeah, I, I like climbing. So I'm quite lucky in Liverpool, there's mountains, not in a fairly reasonable distance or hills at least. They're not necessarily massive mountains, but yeah. So uh, that leads me to another point. You seem to work very productively and efficiently with your time. I mean, you've got your work, you do <laughs> recipe development, and then you also find the time to connect with your fans online. And then, of course, all of your uh, cycling and now Ironman training. So do you have any strategies or tips for other for the listeners on how they can, you know, manage to achieve the same? <laughs> yeah, I think I should probably learn to sleep. That probably would help. Um, I'm not very, I'm not much of a sleeper. Um, so uh, I think prioritizing things, what is and what isn't important. I mean, so I train probably six days a week before and after work most days. And um, so I think it's trying to figure out what where your gaps are and because obviously still want to have a social life and still see my friends and um, be able to talk to my family every now and again and that sort of thing. Um, so what I do often do, I mean, my blog has been suffering this year. I sort of haven't had much time to put as much effort into it as I would have liked to, but um, it's like, oh, I should write something about that, but I don't have time. And um, so for me at the moment, my priority has been training because that is something that I've been really passionate about and then trying to do bits, blog, uh, blog writes and posts and bits and pieces every now and again when I can. And but so things like um, so my lunch break, I will often go for a walk at lunchtime. <laughs> I'm often on my phone writing bits and pieces as I'm going along, or um, or I might train during my lunchtime so that I then have the evening free so I can have um, hang out with friends and those sorts of things. So and yeah, because obviously I work full time as well. So um, it's trying to slot. So I usually am up probably up most days probably quarter to six in the morning and then usually straight to the pool or straight on the bike then straight from there to work and then training afterwards as well but that's because I'm probably doing about 15 hours a week of training but yeah that's efficiency right there (laughs) Uh, trying there I think um the, the hardest thing with recipe development I find is um uh especially in the UK in winter is that it's dark so uh, like I, I don't like I don't want to put just rubbish pictures or I, 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 my standards are quite high so I'd, and I'd like to try recipes a few times so um, it might take a while to actually get it to the point where I'm ready to put to publish it because like I might have made it a few times and yes I'm happy but I've been making it at night time after work and I mean in winter it's dark at by four o'clock in the afternoon so you're really only limited to your weekends and then if you're spending all weekend with friends or out so it makes it a bit more complicated, but so I've probably not done as much with recipes as I would have liked to either. But I mean, there's always, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, one day, one day I'll get. Yeah. Now the final question, what's next for Dietitian Without Borders? <laughs> um, well, obviously sport has become more forefront to me. And, um, and I mean, sports nutrition is something I've been looking into and thinking about ever since I graduated as a dietitian. Um, so I'm going to be doing some extra training in that over the next year or so and, um, and then see where that leads. Um, I get asked a lot about nutrition plans for, um, for athletes and, um, 
So the moment it's outside my scope of practice, but yeah, I was like, oh yeah, no, that would be something I'd be definitely interested in doing in the future. And I think, I think long-term perhaps I would, it'd be great to have my, to own my own business. Actually, that was one thing when I first started, um, my um, dietitian work borders, I was work, I had a, my, I was going to be working part-time three days a week. So part of what it was, my plan was for the other two days a week, I was going to be doing freelance um, private practice work. And then I got made full time pretty much straight away. So, um, I think, yeah, long further down the track at some point, I would like to be working for myself and have my own business. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a matter of making ends meet and paying for bills and all that sort of thing. So yeah, see what happens over the next few years. And, um, yeah, I definitely will be, going a bit more down the sporting route in some way, shape or form. So, um, and yeah, hopefully getting some more blog posts and not just ignoring it for weeks on end, I think. So (laughs) yeah, I think that's probably the main thing. That's so awesome, Gemma. So we'll have to keep an eye on Dietitian Without Borders to see what happens in the next few years then. (laughs) Yep, definitely. So for all of our listeners, we'll link you to Gemma's website, The Addition Without Borders, and also some extra information for working in the UK and also key points from this episode. So that'll be at dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. But Gemma, I would just like to say thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It's been really awesome hearing about your journey and also um, thank you so much for sharing your energy and your experiences so far. It's just, it's been really brilliant. No worries, you're welcome. And I'd also like to say thank you to all of our dedicated listeners for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and that it was able to provide value to you. And if you did, it would be much appreciated if you could leave a review for us and also pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends. And also don't forget to subscribe to the Dietitian Connection podcast so that you can automatically get the new episode each week. Thanks again and we'll see you next time for another great episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast.